listening to the Speaker Match Radio Series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. This is a live show where we interview top experts in the speaking industry and business to provide emerging speakers with marketing strategies and other business building advice. If you're listening live, you can participate in this call online right now by going to speakermatch.com slash radio. Well, welcome to today's show. My name is uh, Daniel Hall, and I am filling in for Brian Kaplovitz, my my good friend and joint venture partner. And I want to welcome you to this call and to this show because today we have some someone that's really a uh, expert in his field. His name is Ben Kruger. And he is the founder of Cashflow Podcasting, and he is, like myself, a podcaster. And one of the nice things about being a podcaster is you can build an audience and also exercise your speaking skills and show off your your speaking acumen, which is kind of cool. Now, Ben specializes in helping thought leaders and speakers like you to amplify their impact through podcasting, which can definitely be done. He's also a world traveler and outdoor sports junkie, and he's here today to share his proven approach for growing authority and influence through podcasting. So, Ben, welcome to the show. I really, really appreciate you being here, and I, I really like to start off every conversation like this with giving people a reason why they should stick around and listen. So what's our big promise? Why should they be here and listening today? Daniel, I love this as a way to kick off an episode. And here are my two promises, actually. I think promise number one is a little bit of fun and having a good time with it. Promise number two is I'm excited to share with the speakers out there a good objective view of podcasting, whether it's a good fit for you and what you're trying to do, and if so, how you can actually go about implementing it in a way that becomes an additive thing, a positive channel for your brand, not just another to-do item. Absolutely. That's that's huge because obviously you want, you want as much bang for your effort, as much production from your effort as possible and i know that some folks are really they're they're apprehensive about dipping a toe as it were into doing podcast or launching a podcast show so i'm really really um all ears when when uh, you talk about this <laughs> this very thing so let me let me just uh ask you what is sort of the the main reason why a speaker, an aspiring speaker, a, a established speaker, why they should actually be looking at becoming a podcaster themselves. Well, as a speaker specifically, you know, a big part of what speakers do is get up on stage and deliver a presentation verbally. Um, there's obviously some visual elements to it. Maybe there's a slide deck. You know, Maybe it's just them up on stage. But 90% of what they're sharing is their voice. It's their opinion. It's their insights. 
Uh, it's the value and knowledge that they have that they're excited to share with the people in the room. And that is almost an exact reflection of what you can do with podcasting because it is voice, it is audio, it is um, a medium that really accurately reflects the same skill sets and the same uh, capabilities as speaking from a stage. So when it comes to podcasting particularly, the core reason why a speaker might want to do so is to start developing an audience and a community around their topic of interest, around their topic of expertise, um, so they can start building really a strong community that is just itching to hear them speak. Yeah, all right. I mean, that, and that makes like tons of, of sense to me, but why why is it, do you think, that now, of all the time that we could have done a podcasting, why is today like one of the one of the best times, or is it the, one of the best times to to actually look seriously at doing this? Yeah, good question. So, podcasting is kind of in its second wave of popularity right now. It actually got started about um, between four and five years ago. The first wave of podcasting becoming somewhat popular started. And the thing that ended up being the, um, I suppose, the the thing that damped that success or that, that kind of slowed down the popularity was they were really easy to create. A podcast was really easy to create, but they weren't very easy to listen to and to access as a listener. Back in the day, you know, the way you accessed a podcast was, you know, you could email an audio file and then the the listener had to figure out a way to get it from email to um you know out into the browser in a way that they could listen to it or you know this was before the days of iPhones and easy access whereas ever since the iPhone and smartphones has come around now with the iTunes platform with Stitcher with some of the other podcast directories it's easier and easier for folks to access that content and so that's why for the past uh, about three and a half to four years running, every year more and more people have been hearing about what a podcast is. More and more people are listening to podcasts regularly because they can listen to them on the go on their smartphones. Um, they don't have to be sitting at their laptop giving 100% of their attention to consume that mm -hmm. content. They can be driving to work. They can be you know, out walking the dog. They can be doing whatever that they normally do and at the same time listening in to content that they're excited to hear, whether it's educational, entertainment, whatever it may be. Um, but that's why right now particularly is a really interesting time because – this second wave of popularity has really gotten a strong hold and continues to grow significantly in that there are more and more listeners to podcasts every day because more people are figuring out about it, more people have access to it, easy access to it, and are starting to use it as a free source of education, as a free source to tap into topics that they're interested in. So, um, you know, it really is a platform that anyone can publish on and be seen as an expert or as a thought leader or influencer on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the other thing that, you know, for, and I'd really love for you to speak to this, it, it just seems like 
um, it, you know, I just was recently car shopping that you go into and you look at just about any model and they're all internet uh, enabled. And some of them, like the, the new Cadillacs, they have a little button that you could actually scroll through the, the podcast. You know, you could like pull my podcast down and listen to a podcast in, in the car. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is, it's, it's kind of, kind of like the holy grail of, times to get into to podcasting because again you have so so many more people that can easily listen to the content would you agree with that absolutely i mean think of all the people that drive to work and now you know as people start buying 2016 2017 model vehicles you know it's like you said it's in the dashboard that is a you know exactly. easy yeah, it's easy access form of content. So it's it's becoming more and more commonplace. It's becoming easier to access, and it's becoming more widely accepted or widely known about. Um, you know, with with large shows like Sirius that actually you know get major new news and media coverage. So more and more people just are starting to get podcasting plus you know that accessibility. So the the combo of the two really makes for an interesting trajectory. Yeah, and then and then the other really cool thing I'd really love you to speak to, especially in light of speakers with specific, you know, niched subject matter that you can you can basically or let me ask you, what what topics can you publish uh as as podcast? Well, a podcast really all it is is a recorded audio track that you can play back on demand. So What's interesting is because the medium has been around for about five or six years now, um, people are starting to get really creative with what they do in a podcast and with the topics that they, you know, publish a podcast on. Just like the beginning of any new medium, like, uh, you know, at the beginning of blogs, there were kind of the basics, you know, people set up blogs about the core topics and those were the ones that actually got traction and there wasn't enough traffic there wasn't enough viewers or eyeballs to really support a website about a very niche topic whereas today it, there's so many listeners uh, itunes had its one billionth download in 2013 and it has continued to grow significantly ever since so Right now, you know, some of the podcasts that I am aware of and some of the clients that we've worked with, we've got folks that have podcasts about how to bet on Australian horse race, you know, wow. races <laughs> and actually make money. So, like, that is about as niche as you're going to get. And the guy has a pretty impressive audience size for that niche of a topic. So, you know, it, it, it really is like the – when blogging started to take off, you know, at first you got the big guys and then as more and more traffic shows up and more and more people with various interests show up, then there's so much more to support the smaller topics and the niche topics. So now, you know, I'm a big fan of and I encourage folks to generally take a niched approach because you don't really want the whole world as your audience generally. You want a very targeted, specific audience that's there to hear from you and that you can really connect with, share value with, and that they're going to, you know, look to engage with you further, come to one of your speaking events or engagements or, you know, see what you've got on the back end of the podcast so they can get more value through connecting with you. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, that's the other kind of cool thing, and you, I know you said this, but one of the one of the sort of the central tenets of, of marketing is folks, in order to buy from you, they must they must know, like, and trust you. We've all heard of that, but we don't we don't know how that happens. And um, it it just mm-hmm. seems like that with 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 when you've got somebody in your ears, right, talking to you through earbuds, um, that that it's it's a great way to to bond with. Uh, just the exact kind of people that you want to be doing business with. And, and uh, I, I, I take it you would agree with that. Certainly, certainly. Well, and that's, you know, that's how podcasting really works from a business standpoint. And for speakers out there, um, you know, as a speaker, you definitely recognize the power you have to connect with an audience while they're there. You know, they get the visual, they get the sound, they can hear the passion in your voice, they can hear that you know what you're talking about and you're there to share it with them. Well, podcasting is very similar, except that they don't have to be paying 100% attention to you at all times. They can be doing it while they're out, you know, doing their normal routine. And here's where it gets interesting. You can become part of someone's normal weekly routine of walking the dog, doing the dishes, cleaning the house. When you release, let's say, weekly episodes of content, somebody can look forward to, you know, hearing what you have to say in the next podcast episode on Monday because they know it's coming on Monday morning. And then, you know, people don't have to buy a plane ticket to come to one of your speaking events to be live there in person. They can actually consume it you know, from from their car or from, you know, them walking. And it, over time, you can really build such a strong connection through that content to where they're the people that are signing up, you know, well in advance for your next talk. They're the person that is, um, you know, telling their friends about you and about the podcast so that you check it out, you know, and they're the pers- the, the folks that are helping you grow your brand by building those ambassadors. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know that's the other really cool thing is that there are there are so many different ways to sort of peel this potato, right? So, what are the the different uh, podcast formats specifically to build a speaker's authority? Yeah, for speakers, there's three that I find uh, are really catching hold these days. One is kind of the typical one you've heard it a bunch. But it is a interview-based podcast. You know, usually they're about 45 minutes long. Um, you have a very specific topic, like you know, in our case, this is a podcast for speakers to become better speakers, to uh, grow their speaking, um, you know, income or ability, you know, all those things. Where all the guests have a particular knowledge that would be really interesting to those. Uh, listeners. The second mm-hmm. one, and this is one that's kind of, um, I've seen a lot of real um, Im- impressive shows pop up with this format recently. I call it micro content, but it is a podcast to where it's a little bit more often. So usually they're three days a week or more, and they're just short little mini episodes. They may be seven minutes, 12 minutes tops, Uh, But usually they are one specific idea or one specific thought of the day or an exercise of the day or, um, 
you know, I've I've seen a Wall Street Journal writer use this as a way to take some of the things that he was writing and, you know, he would on his micro content episodes, he would just share, you know, some of the philosophy behind the articles that he wrote. So he was building his audience while creating content about the content that he had already created. Um, and so there's a lot of ways that you can do this. One of my other favorite shows is called Marketing in Your Car, and it's a seven-minute podcast that uh, Russell Brunson, he's a marketer out of Idaho, of all places, and he literally just records an audio while he's driving to work, and it takes him seven minutes to drive to work. Um, and he talks about marketing. He talks about what they're up to as a company and what they're testing and what's working for them, what's not. And so it's a really great way to share little pieces of content or little ideas over time and in a really consistent way. So that's the micro content format that I've been seeing really work quite well. And then the third kind is, Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm just like on a roll here. Was there, was there a thought? Yeah. Keep keep, keep on trucking, man. I love it. What's the third? (laughs) You get, you get me going on this stuff. It's hard to stop. Um, so the third kind is what I call, you know, direct education type podcast episodes. And these are generally in the 20 to 30 minute range. So they're, they're mid length to a little bit on the shorter end. And they are uh, one person or one person and a co-host directly talking to the audience. There's no interviews. um, And it's specifically about one topic and they're there to teach or instruct or to share their knowledge about that specific topic. So there's a whole bunch of examples of shows like this, but that format uh, is really powerful because as a speaker, it positions you as the person who is advising the listener. It positions you as the person who has some expertise, who has um, a body of knowledge to share with the listener. And oftentimes, what happens is the listeners, just like if you were giving a talk at a conference, they'll go out and they'll use the advice. They'll get some kind of a result from it. It may be huge and it may be just, you know, it it, it caused them to think a little bit differently and see something from a different angle or whatever it is. It helps them get an initial result from just listening to this free podcast that you put out there. And so the natural train of thought then becomes – you know, I just checked out this person's podcast for free and, you know, I've been implementing what they were talking about. I use the advice and I'm already seeing results. I haven't paid for anything. You know, if I'm really enjoying the results that I'm getting and I'm interested to learn more and really dig in to see how I can connect with this person more, I imagine what they have to offer, whether it's speaking, whether it's their books, whether it's their, you know, consulting, coaching services, you know, anything like that, that's really going to be the thing that's going to get me there because their free stuff's already helping me see progress. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. As a matter of fact, so uh, for those folks listening, I actually have a podcast that that pretty much um, amalgamates or blends two of those three formats. My show is called a realfastresults.com and that's what we do we we do a singular topic 
but I usually then bring in a, a, a interview guest, somebody that I'm going to interview, and we start off every show like I did this one with, hey, what's the promise? Why should you bother to stick around and listen? And then we kind of go through the entire steps. And for for my own podcast, that that has really been been taking off. I mean, just week over week, more and more and more downloads, bigger and bigger audience, and more and more leads coming into the uh, in, into the funnel, which is the other thing I wanted to ask you about. As a speaker, how do you use a use your podcast to generate a consistent flow of leads into your mm-hmm. business? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this is a perfect opportunity to examine, you know, this is something that you said, uh, this is something you do. So I think for the listeners out there, this may be really helpful if we shine the flashlight back at ourselves um, and take a little bit of a look at how the podcast that you do generates leads for yourself, because that's one way, and I'm happy to um kind of shine a light in a couple of different directions, but are you open to chatting about that? Oh, absolutely. This is, uh, I, I eat and sleep and breathe this stuff. I love it. So yeah, let's, let's teach these folks. Awesome. Awesome. So um, with your show, I assume, and please, you know, direct me in the right direction here, but um, I assume, you know, through the content, you're sharing really helpful content, number one, and it's very targeted to your audience, number two, because those two are, you know, really critical. Um, and then do you have a direct call to action for someone who is listening to the podcast and wants to learn more, wants to take the next step? Absolutely. Several. Beautiful, beautiful. What's the main one that you guys use on a recurring basis? Well, so I have a show where we have two sponsors of the show. Uh, they're they're my content. So uh, mm-hmm. we we send folks to either a automated webinar for one or an automated webinar for another. And then the other thing that I'm I'm always doing uh, that has been just been remarkably effective is I'm sending folks back to the show notes from um, uh, from the podcast. So, for example, if you were to go to um, realfastresults.com forward slash, um, I think we're up to 5353, um, you, would, you would go to that show. You would you'd be able to basically see highlights of the show written, written out, but then and this is this is a big thing that I learned in 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 my journey is that when I first started the the uh, the show I would I would do a very long extensive show notes for each and every podcast episode but and I still do that but now I put it behind a squeeze page so you get the highlights you get all the links but if you want the all of the notes you have to uh, basically opt into my email list to get those. So that that offer is being continuously made, and I'm so glad um, that uh, that I did that. I actually learned that from uh, Nick Loper, who uh, has a podcast called The Side Hustle, and he said that that that, that was a huge um, a huge turning point for for his um, collection. Just just doing it that way. So that's how I do it. To answer your question, beautiful, beautiful, and I love and thank you so much for sharing that because. You know, as a as a listener out there, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, we're talking about podcasting, but they're actually listening to a podcast, so it really helps to 
turn some of what we're talking about into the actual examples as we're talking about them. Um, cause you know, I, I find that always to be helpful as a learning tool. So I love that. Yes. Number one, sounds like you've got some very consistent call to action, uh, pieces. You know, these are something that are very valuable. These are your webinars that people can go check out if they're ready to take that next step, which is perfect. There's the episode specific call to actions, which is fantastic. The, um, you know, go check out the show notes and, Oftentimes, what, I, what I've also found is if there is anything in that episode that can be turned into a template or a checklist, that is just opt-in gold because, you know, if you're talking about, um, uh, well, for example, later this week, I'm going to release a episode on my own podcast. Um, it's an interview that I did with one of our clients who actually had his entire podcast paid for by sponsors before he released a single episode. Um, nice. And it was because he reached out and just got a couple of sponsors that had sponsored events in his industry in the past. And so, you know, I essentially just had a quick chat with him. And out of that chat, I'm going to turn those into some email templates that people can use. And that's going to be my call to action for that specific episode. And I'm pretty darn sure that's going to be a killer because uh, I've actually had people reaching out to me asking for something like that for a while now. So that's a perfect example. If, you know, if you can do a template, an email template, headline uh, list, you know, checklist, anything like that always becomes just dynamite from an opt-in perspective. Wow, that's so true. I found that to be the, the, the case as well, Ben. Anything that's, that's downloadable or a PDF it has been golden for, for me as well. But, and so thanks for, thanks for sharing that. But let, let me just make sure that folks uh, listening know the, the right way to actually do the call to action so that it doesn't seem contrived or it doesn't put people off. Do you, do you, have, you have a formula for that or, or some opinion on that? I do, and I'm so glad that you brought this up. I feel like uh, this is the thing that gets skimmed over a lot. So I would love – how's this? I'll share kind of the approach that I use, and I would love to hear the approach that you use, and we'll see if we can – merge or improve either one or both of our approaches. Sounds good. Um, so what I generally do, especially if it's my own, if it's my own podcast towards the end, um, the call to action structure that I like is it's, it's three or four parts. The first part is, you know, Hey, I've been getting some feedback from the listeners about this particular issue or challenge that you're having. Um, and so obviously this needs to be authentic. You can't just make up something random um, to, to, you know, fix some non-existent issue that people are having. But uh, if you've actually been getting some feedback from the listeners that you ha they're having a particular issue around something, uh, that's where I always start. So, hey, so I've been hearing you, you know, there's some challenger questions around, you know, this topic area. So I created a free resource for you. Um, so whether it's a checklist and a template, whatever it may be, and um, you can grab it for free over at, you know, thisurl.com. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. But I've always found that if it's directed by the listeners uh, and the challenges that they have or the questions that they have and that that's a, create, uh, a resource that I've created for them, then it really empowers them to go check it out because they identify with the problem 
um, and realize that that's a gift that was created specifically to help them solve that. So I've found that one works really good for my own podcast. And when I'm doing interviews on other people's shows, generally um, it's a very similar thing, except instead of saying, you know, uh, I know what problem you're having, I'll generally say, you know, with my own audience, here's what I've been hearing their biggest challenges are. Is it okay if I share, you know, a solution for them? And that's when I, you know, kind of share the opt-in or whatever the guide is to help them solve that specific problem. So that's the approach that I've been taking myself. Yeah, I mean, I think that that works really, really well because for many of the folks that you're you're chatting with, you're really just kind of entering the conversation that they're already having in their own in their own brain and you're addressing it you're in 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 many ways kind of relieving that relieving that tension but in order to for them to actually get that tension relieved they have to opt into your list which is just brilliant i love i love mm-hmm. that uh, approach and i think i think folks uh, should should model it i have a very a similar approach i you know i'm pretty um extemporaneous and um, will, you know, as things kind of come up and I see segues to jump from one thing to another, um, I, that's that's how I will do these sort of ad hoc um, call to, calls to action. And then, and then hmm. for me, uh, I will also bake uh, a, a couple commercial breaks into. We do we have one uh, at the very beginning and one at the very end of of our podcast that are about 45 seconds um, a piece. Uh, just to make sure if I've missed a particular episode, because I do two episodes a week, uh, that, that there is some sort of call to action always, always going out. So, um, again, super, super important that if you're going to do this, I mean, I, I would, I, I, let me just ask you, is, is doing a podcast without a call to action worth doing? You know, um, I think a lot of people do do podcasts without a call to action. And those are the folks that end up folding up shop, you know, a couple months in because they're not really getting the results. Oftentimes they're the folks that have an audience. The audience really enjoys the show, but they never really know if there's anything more that they can, you know, engage with that person to get. There's no more way for them to get closer or to get more results or, you know, to learn more. So, I feel like from a listener's standpoint, there's kind of nowhere else to go. And from the the podcast host's standpoint, there's no natural next step. So, um, you know, unless you've got a gigantic audience and you plan on monetizing through sponsorships purely, I can't imagine that that's going to be a particularly successful approach for anybody. And, when, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you were sharing your call to action thing, um, approach, one little uh, comment that you made really triggered a me to think of an idea that has been working for a lot of our clients and that we've been trying to integrate into people's shows. So I wanted to touch on that real quick before you tell, on, do tell. I, I love this one um, and it works incredibly well. It's, it's kind of two part, a little two parter. Um, and so when you're talking about something in a podcast episode, um, when it makes sense naturally in the conversation to tell a story about a current client that you're working with or a current speaking gig, you know, a speaking gig that you did in the past or a event that you're going to in the future or uh, essentially someone that you can tell a story around who 
you can use it a little bit as social proof. So let's say, you know, you're a speaker and you talk about uh, brand building and there, you know, you, you've got a client that a couple weeks back you were talking spe specifically about how they could use the star story in their branding. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you've been working with them on implementing this and, you know, they landed their very first client um, after, you know, implementing this star story approach. And, you know, what you can do in your podcast is if it makes sense in the conversation, you can bring up that story to really, you know, use that story to highlight a point that you're making in the podcast episode for the listeners and at the same time congratulate that individual, whoever that individual is that's, you know, implementing things and getting results or, or um, using what you've shared in a powerful, positive way. And that is the perfect opportunity for you to share a very small uh, but really authentic call to action of, you know, hey, so uh, I just shared with you the star story and how I was uh, helping John out a couple of weeks ago. He works with me as a client. If you're interested in, you know, joining the Silver Circle or whatever your program is called, then you can learn more about that here. But let's, you know, continue and talk about this. So you just kind of move on, but it's a perfect way for people to be aware that you actually have more to offer than just a free podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Really, really, really crucial stuff. So let me let me just ask you for those folks that are interested in in, in actually firing up a podcast and in, in, in taking it seriously, what are what are their action what are the, the action steps to, to actually getting there? Good question. So the first action step that I always have people think about is to get crystal clear on the audience that they want to build for themselves. Um, yes. And I, I realize that, you know, a lot of people want to jump into the action steps. You know, what microphone do I get? What, uh, you know, hosting software do I use? But I want to take a strategic approach to this because if we want the thing to work, then first we got to know what we're trying to make it work to do. Um, so the first place that I always start with folks is to get a very clear idea of exactly who their audience should be for their podcast. And what I find all too often is folks create a podcast for the audience that they've historically had. And what we want to do is create an audience for the audience, uh, create a podcast for the audience you want in the future. So I always have people think, you know, two years down the line, who are the people that you want in the seats at your speaking engagements? Who are the people that you want to be working with as clients or as customers in two years' time from now? Because those are the types of people we want to start building an audience of with our podcast. So if we start with that, and then most every other question that we have that comes up around podcasting strategy we can run it through this simple filter of, is this in the best interest of that audience member two years from now? Is this in the best interest of that person and what they're looking to, you know, learn or, or um, you know, expand into themselves? So that's where mm -hmm. I always start. That's step one. Okay. Then what's after that? That makes sense. After to me, that's that, very straightforward. <laughs> yeah, so after that, uh, then we start looking at 
the elements that need to come together for a podcast. So um, generally, I start thinking of what's the best show format for me, for my purpose, for what I'm trying to achieve here, and quite frankly, for the amount of time uh, that I have to allot to this whole podcast thing. So mm-hmm. I always think from the podcaster's perspective, you know, what's going to be the best match between them and what they've got to share and the audience and uh, what they're, you know, what they would really like to see in a podcast around this topic. So generally I find, you know, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about those three formats that are working really well for speaker authority. That mm-hmm. is uh, a really strong those are three strong formats to pick and pull from. You don't have to, you know, just like you and your show, you don't have to stick to one religiously, but those three have really strong elements to start with. So uh, mm-hmm. getting an idea of what your podcast format should look like really informs then uh, the next steps of you know, recording your very first couple of episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. And do you suggest that we start with one episode or or more? So strategically, I'm a big fan of starting with three episodes when the podcast goes live on day one, because one, it kind of leverages iTunes um, downloads and ranking system. So, you know, the way that you can rank in iTunes is, first of all, it's Uh, the highest ranking factor is the number of subscribers closely followed by the number of overall downloads in the last, it's somewhere, you know, in five to eight days range. We're not exactly sure. Um, But if you start a podcast with three episodes and somebody subscribes to your show, depending on a couple of factors from a technology standpoint, whether they're using an iPhone or um, you know, there, there's a couple of different factors, but, Oftentimes, it will automatically download the latest three podcast episodes. So you can get three downloads for the price of one um, and get a nice little boost in your initial iTunes rankings. Plus, from a strategic standpoint as well, uh, it gives the listeners enough content to really sink their teeth into and to decide whether this is a podcast that they're really you know, going to tune into on a consistent basis, whereas one episode might not be enough to really get them that excited about all the ones to come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Boy, this is some great, great stuff that you're you're sharing here today, Ben. I really, really appreciate that. Um, now, we're, we're getting ready to wrap here in about five minutes, but before we do, do you have, you have a few minutes to, to answer some uh, listener questions? Of course, I would love to. Okay, great. So let's. Um, I, we we got one here from uh, Adrian in Toronto who asked, "How relevant is SoundCloud as a podcasting platform, and what is required to podcast on iTunes?" So, so two questions there. Yeah. So good question. Um, SoundCloud is interesting. It's not a big player in that um, it it would be the majority of a podcast downloads generally. So what I've seen kind of across the board is iTunes tends to be about 70 to 75% of a podcast's downloads. Um, And then usually that last 25 to 30% is made up of Stitcher, which is, you know, Android users generally. 
um, other podcast platforms and apps, and that includes SoundCloud. So um, I have not found SoundCloud to be a real big influencer as far as like an 80-20 approach to podcasting. iTunes is still the big dog in the room. Um, but that being said, it can't hurt to have your content on as many different platforms as possible because generally speaking, that content should direct people back to your core website, back to your core um, where you have other ways that they can engage with you, the opt-in offers, the um, you know, they can learn more about you as an individual. So the more platforms that you're on, while they may not be the largest, you know, domino to knock down, it certainly doesn't hurt to be on Stitcher. But as far as what's required to be in iTunes, the real thing that is required is an RSS feed. Um, so it gets a little bit technical here, but any podcast hosting service that you use will generate a RSS feed for you. Uh, and how iTunes works is anytime you update that RSS feed, then iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, any of these other podcast directories uh, auto update from that RSS feed. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right, and another uh, another great question here uh, from Rito uh, in Edison, New Jersey. And uh, uh, Rito asks, how do you create the catchy titles that really reflect what your expertise is in case uh, you're able to address a range of topics, not just a single topic? Yes, that is a really good question. So the titling thing comes down to you want an audience member or a potential audience member to be able to pick your podcast title out of a crowd of podcast titles and at least get a general idea of whether or not it's going to be something they're interested in. So the real trick here is what I like to do is actually to open up iTunes on my desktop. So I'll open up the iTunes browser. You can see uh, the different podcast images or the artwork as well as the podcast titles. And I will think about from my listener's perspective, why would they tune into my podcast? So kind of like what the, the very first question that you asked me at the beginning of this episode, you know, what's the promise? What's the mm -hmm. thing that somebody's going to be able to walk away from? And even if you have all kinds of different topics, what's the real theme for that podcast? What's the theme that somebody uh, you know, if they tuned in and if they listened to episodes consistently, why would they want to listen to that podcast? What's that theme that's going to really attract them? And then um, as far as naming conventions, keep it short and keep it simple. Um, a lot of people try to get real, you know, smart or clever with naming clever. conventions. Not, and, <laughs> not necessarily a good thing. Yes, cleverness does not necessarily help. You want clarity. Clarity is going to be exactly. a hell of a lot more helpful than being sharp yeah. or smart. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that's that's great advice. Uh, I have another question here from Sheila in Pittsburgh who says, um, my husband and I are wanting to do a podcast together since we both have books that deal with a similar subject that is resilience. 
We speak to different audiences. Mine, she says, are more at women's conferences and nonprofits, and his is corporate clients and audiences. Does this sound workable? In other words, working together on a podcast, even though they're talking to different audiences. Well, I think if you think about that question, Sheila, the answer might be, it might not be what you want to hear, but I think it's a little self-evident in the fact that if your audience is completely different, then the podcast is probably not going to be best if you know, you take the exact same content and publish it to both of those audiences, um, you know, or take the the content and publish it and promote it to both of those audiences because it's a little too spread out um, and people won't be able to self-identify as an audience member that, yes, this show is for me and it's something that I'm really excited to check out. So even if, you know, what you could do is um, maybe some – type of a deal to where when you sit down with your husband, because the content is very similar, you could record two episodes back to back with a little bit of a different flavor to them. So, you know, if you're already sitting down to record one, if you add another, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes onto that session and you can record one with a slightly different focus based on that audience and each of those podcasts can be tailored to the audience, that can be really helpful uh, as far as getting a lot more adoption from the audience. Now, that being said, if you're podcasting um, for reasons other than building an audience, like say you want to podcast because you want to meet influencers in your space or you want to um, connect with other speakers or you want to connect with people that put on conferences and you want to invite them as guests but use it as your networking tool, then it's not so important to think from the audience's perspective. But in almost every other case, it's going to be pretty crucial to think with your audience first. And if you have two completely separate audiences, it's going to be really tough to keep them both engaged and feeling like they're really connected with that podcast. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And I've got I've got one last question, and hopefully you could do this in about 30 seconds because we need to wrap. But uh, we'll fire Sue it in out. Chicago asks, uh, Sue in Chicago asked this question, where and who is the best place to promote podcasts? The best way to promote a podcast, hands down, is by being a interview guest on other people's podcasts. You don't have to teach people what a podcast is. They're already listening, uh, and you can promote a podcast-specific episode on uh, through an interview on someone else's podcast, just like we're doing today. Absolutely. I was hoping you were going to say that. Um, so thanks, Ben, for for taking the <laughs> taking the time to to educate the uh, speaker match community here today, um, and let folks know how how could they reach out and connect with you. Yes, this has been an absolute pleasure. Love chatting about podcasting and strategy. If folks are interested in chatting with me, you have questions about podcasting, you're thinking about starting your own. Um, you can find me over at cashflowpodcasting.com and. I've put together a checklist of the 27 steps to launching a podcast, uh, which you can grab there for free as well at cashflowpodcasting.com forward slash checklist. That's an easy resource for folks to get started with. And um, on that 
site is where people can get in contact with me. I'm always happy to answer questions and be a resource for folks about podcasting. Excellent. Again, that URL, place to go, cashflowpodcasting.com. And Ben, thank you for uh, taking the time to chat. And if you, the listener out there, have any comments that, that you would like to make about today's interview, you can visit us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. We would love to hear your thoughts and continue this conversation. Uh, you can also find a replay of this call on iTunes. There we go again. Just search the word Speaker Match or just go head over to speakermatch.com forward slash radio and look under the replay section there. And while you're there, hey, don't forget to leave a review. Those are really, really important, folks. Uh, if you're getting value from uh, this, this uh, free content, then uh, make sure to leave a rating and a review there on iTunes. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback uh, as uh, we help for you to build your audience. So with that, thanks once again, Ben, and uh, thanks, Brian, uh, for giving me the opportunity to, to come on today. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Speaker Match radio series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. Speaker Match is the leading provider of tools and services for emerging professional speakers. You can find more information about Speaker Match at www.speakermatch.com. Our toll-free number, if you prefer to reach us by phone, is 1-866-372-8768. International callers can reach us at area code 512-372-8768. Thank you again for listening, and we wish you the best in your speaking career. Thank you.